Jackie Siegel, you know her from the documentary Queen of Versailles. She and her husband, billionaire timeshare owner David Siegel, set out to build the largest house in America, and then the financial market collapsed. At the end of the documentary, we don't know, did they finish the house? Did they have to sell the house? Definitely want to catch up on that. And then tragically, in 2015, Jackie lost her oldest daughter, Victoria, to a drug overdose. Um, She was 18, and I just want to talk about the warning signs that parents can look for if your child is struggling, whether it be drugs. For me, it was an eating disorder. I want to talk about what they're doing now, their new mission that they've found since losing their daughter. And I got to ask if they finished the house. Are they living in the largest house in America? Here's my episode with Jackie Siegel. Speaking of Versailles, (laughs) what's happening there? Because I, in the intro, I was saying, you know, everybody knows you, you're building the biggest home in America, 90,000 square feet. And then the financial market crashed and you put that on hold. What is happening now? Well, you're going to be really excited um, to hear. Um, We are finishing Versailles. Wow. Okay. It was kind of unfair because... Everyone wants an ending to a movie mm-hmm. and, and that documentary, you watch it and they're like, there's basically no ending. Yeah. So I, I'm actually going to finally give them the ending Yay. that the whole world's been waiting for. And I'm very, very excited for that. Um, and um, believe it or not, like um, I'm adding on. Oh no. <laughs> How yeah. many square feet is it going to be? Oh, oh God. Um, um, over a hundred thousand, but uh, <laughs> oh. yeah, I'm definitely, wow. um, yeah, I heard someone was trying to build a house bigger than me, so um, I can't let that happen. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> They'll have to add on to it. It'll be the war of the biggest. Yeah, well, that's there. another show. It'll be the war of the mansion. <laughs> Most people know the documentary Queen of Versailles, but I, and I hope they prepped you, like I want to focus on the princess of Versailles. And I just saw that documentary last night. Oh. And just first of all, I wanted you to share the story, share about your foundation and your husband's focus now. Like he stepped down a billionaire mm-hmm. of this timeshare conglomerate, and he has stopped that to focus on a crisis that I think more awareness needs to be brought to it. And I wanted you to share the story and how Victoria's voice came about. Well, yeah, I'll tell you one thing. Um, who there's so much to talk about just with, without, with the COVID and, and, and the isolation, everyone had to stay home yep. and, uh, and be isolated. And especially students um, go, going to online school and maybe they're sitting in a bedroom and looking at the same four walls every day. It's, it's not a healthy environment. Mm-hmm. Um, these kids are, they're suffering um, mental illness. They're, they're turning. And unfortunately, a lot of them are turning to drugs, even like raiding, you know, their parents' medicine cabinet, or, I mean, there's so many kids doing overdoses just um, and like even Tylenol, oh. you know, things like that, just anything. And uh, I should backtrack a little bit here. Back in 2015, my husband and I we were on top of the world. Like someone asked me, if you only had a few weeks left to live, what would you do? You know, or what would you want? You know, and I said, and I was trying to think and it's like, well, you know, I, I feel like I, I've had, I had everything. I mean, we're building the largest home in America. I've got the most amazing husband mm-hmm. that I had eight children with. Yeah. Well, seven, but we adopted one. I mean, so I had a 
beautiful family. Uh, he had a, a football team. We have private jets. And, um, you know, we, we were healthy. And, and then, um, and I even got uh, the TV show, The Wife Swap. So we were walking <laughs> the red carpet for Wife Swap. Yeah. So I got everything that I ever dreamed of in my entire life. And I said, I would just stay home or, you know, spend more time with my family. There's nothing else I need. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, my daughter, Victoria, 18 years old, overdosed and died. And our whole life stood still. Yeah. The, 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 the carpet was pulled from beneath us. And all the, the, the planes, the, the football team building the biggest house, nothing mattered anymore. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't even step foot in the house for several months, you know, and with all the money in the world, we couldn't bring her back. Yeah. So we, we all got kind of like handled her death. It was very tragic and, uh, and so sudden yeah. we didn't even know she was addicted to drugs and stuff. So anyways, um, finally, after a few months of uh, mourning, my husband, um, he kind of came out of his shell. You know, it's like a dark cloud had come over our family. Mm-hmm. Like there was no more laughter, no more like family dinners. Everyone just kind of, you know, like went in their own room. So my husband finally one day and he came to me and he says, honey, I, I've um, decided um, we're not going to let Victoria die in vain. She's going to die with a purpose. And her death, you know, will save lives. Yeah. And we're going to make that happen. And he said, I'm going to make it my mission. We're going to spend the rest of our lives saving other kids' lives, sparing as many other parents as possible from suffering the same loss that we have. Yeah. And we did. We formed Victoria's Voice Foundation. And it's like, now what do we do? So it's kind of um, evolved. At first, we found out that you can actually save lives by getting Narcan. Yeah, I found out about that on the documentary. Narcan... Um, and it could be uh, just like a nose spray. Mm-hmm. There's different ways to give it like with a needle, but like, most people don't like that, but it, it, it can be a nose spray and uh, anyone doing like opioids, um, cocaine, they can basically have already taken their last breath. And then if you put the Narcan in, it brings them back to life. Wow. Because what it does, the Narcan blocks the opioids from um, getting to the brain responders wow, for about three hours. So you have about three hours to get that person to the emergency room. And then they do all of uh, you know, pumping their, their system and, yeah. you know, getting and, and getting the drugs out of their body. So that's a lifesaver. Um, and we, we passed the CARA act in Washington, DC, which helps to provide the Narcan for all the first responders across America and get the funding for all the Narcan. So that was one of the pillars of our foundation. And we're very proud to have been able to do that. After Victoria passed away, my kids, they didn't want cameras around. Yeah. Cause they, they were, cause they felt kind of a part of Victoria turning to drugs was the result of how the kids treated her at school <sighs> from seeing her in the documentary. Like, Oh, you're the rich girl. You're the rich girl. You got a rich dad, you know, and then they started bullying her and she wanted to fit in. Yeah. And that's when she started getting introduced to like marijuana and things like that. And of course, you know, they would like steal my purses to buy stuff. And Yeah. 
But I would love for people to watch The Princess of Versailles. I will promote it. And the fact that I learned that first responders don't even have that on them because it's like a dollar to make and it's $37 to purchase it. So they couldn't afford for like a first responder to always have that. And don't forget first responders, the definition could, could be just the first person who happens to right. be helping out. Not it a could, medical be, it could be a mother. Yeah. It could be, you know, they could be at a party. There's a party where we're building Versailles and someone had overdosed at the party. Someone at the party had Narcan in their glove compartment, went there, got the, the Narcan, administered it and saved that person's life. Wow. So that was the first responder, you know? Yes. And, and I think like, it's very important to let people know about Narcan if they are having parties or even like college parties or whatever, they should always just have it. Yeah. Just for an emergency, you know? Well, you have definitely brought awareness to that. My focus was Victoria for this interview, because just to tell you quickly, I'm the firstborn. And when I started hearing the stuff about her, I was like, she was firstborn. Like I knew it. And I confirmed it with your PR person. There are so many similarities. And I wrote my book. um, I struggled with depression, anorexia, bulimia. Everything was secret. I hid everything. Nobody didn't know. So it was like everything that was being described. I was like, me too. And before I put my book out, I studied birth order and it's perfectionism. It's obsessive personality. Like she wanted to stop. I couldn't stop binging and purging. Like I was going to ask you, you have seven other children. Do any of them have those tendencies? I think they all got depressed after she passed away. So, yeah. but, but they, but they'll never touch a drug. Right. I do know that. So at least yeah. I've got that on my side. You know, they learned the lesson the hard way. Yeah. So I've got teenage girls and one of them thinks she's too fat and are not pretty enough. And, you know, yeah, and they're gorgeous so girls. I mean, but yeah. when they look in the mirror to themselves, they don't see themselves that way, you know? Exactly. And I, I struggled so much with like self-image. Like I, did, I was homecoming queen and prom queen. And wow. I, didn't care. I didn't care about, like, I look back yeah. at pictures of those days and I'm just kind of like, I didn't see it. And I, I kept the bulimia a secret. I felt like a pressure. Yeah. We, right. We have so many of the same like tendencies. And I did see that she reached out to you and was like, mom, I need help. And I never told my mom, yeah. I, sh- I should have been in eating disorder therapy, but I, yeah. I kept it a secret. Like she did reach out and was like, this is a problem. And that just speaks to your relationship with her that she came right. to and she knew like she wanted to get help. It just, I think about like, there wasn't like social media back then, but like what your daughters are going to have to go through. And you were saying like, even like her new boyfriend's ex or still on whatever yeah. she was, was like bullying her. And that just puts more on top of how you're already. Oh, it's, it's awful. The social media nowadays for our youth is cyberbullying, yeah. And it's, it's very stressful for them because there's no secrets anymore. You know, oh. the people just say what they want. They can be evil, even as adults. Look at the way um, politicians bully each other and, yeah. and talk bad about each other. I mean, the bullying really never ends. And, and unfortunately, it seems like so many people in this world, in the internet mob, love to jump on the bandwagon of picking on people. Yeah. They just love it. And I really wish um, we could like take like Kimberly uh, Friedmutter's point of view and, and just spread love and just talk positive about people. You know, if you don't have anything good to say, it's better to not say it at all. In fact, even when I go to the grocery store and there's the girl checking us out, 
I always find something nice to say, like, oh, I like your glasses. I find something nice to say, or, you know, and you get more positive energy around you when you do that. And, and, and if you get someone that, you know, flips to the finger after you say something nice, those are the people that you just kind of want to stay away from anyways. It's like, good, go have a good life, sir. You know, yeah, hurt people, hurt people. So when I get like a negative comment on Instagram or something like, of course it like hurts, but I'm just like, that person must be like for you to go and talk to someone you don't even know like that, like you must be struggling and right. Because they're miserable for whatever reason. Yes. We have in common, I saw the phrase recently, like making your mess, your message and everything that you went through. It's like, there was a reason and it's to make people, like you said, you're not, you're going to save lives. And like the girl that you flew out to Scottsdale, like that you didn't even know when you like got on a plane, you make such an impact when you just, yeah, you can make a horrible time. Like your situation, I couldn't even imagine, but you have made your mess, your message. And I love that on a smaller scale. I did that like with eating disorders. I didn't want anybody to know what I was doing, but now I talk to women that are in it now and they feel more comfortable talking to me because I'm like, listen, here's what happened to me. Here's, you know, what I'm going to do with this. And now Mm -hmm. I'm like a, like a coach to these women to be like, you can get through this. But the firstborn stuff like was just, everything was secret. I was was the firstborn too. Oh, were you? And I, and I didn't feel like I was ever going to be good enough. And, and, uh, you know, like I was always like trying to be skinny and yes, I was always trying to please my parents. And that's why I got my engineering degree because I wanted them to be proud of me. I want to, you know, there's a lot of pressure being first. I think maybe by the time that the more kids go on, the parents don't have as much time to focus on all of them. But, uh, <laughs> so gosh. interesting that you were first born too. I have three younger sisters and none of them struggled like I did. They just didn't have the same like tendencies. Like I would go back to school. If I got an A minus on a quiz, I would yeah. go in the morning because you could take it over again and yeah. I would get the A and I, I hate it yeah. about myself. It gives me anxiety and it makes me stressed out, but it's who I am. And I think yeah. a lot of firstborns feel that pressure and the obsessive nature. They do. And they it's, do. it's so hard if a parent is concerned that's listening to this, this something, whatever it may be, maybe it's an eating disorder. Maybe it's a drug addiction. What should they look for? If they think something's have, should they well, bring it up? Like what, what do they do? Well, we didn't even know that our daughter was addicted to drugs. Yeah. And some of the, the early warning signs definitely change of behavior. Okay. Um, their friends, like who they're hanging out with. Yeah. I mean, she started hanging around with some people that one of them got stabbed and then she did like a little fundraiser to raise money for his hospital bill. But like, these were the types of people and the places she was going behind my back that she was hanging out. Um, uh, Another sign is um, yeah. Like change of, of diet. Maybe they're not eating or maybe they're, you know, got the munchies and eating too much. Yeah. You know, cause different drugs have different effects on, on appetite. Another one would be um, they're tired all the time or lock themselves in the room and they, they just blame it on that they were tired from, yeah. from school or whatever, but they could be in there doing drugs. Yeah. And also like if they get like uh, irrational and moody. So these could all, all be signs of, of doing drugs or even of just, it could be mental health too. Yeah. So it's very important. Um, And for me, I I think the most important thing is to be your kid's friend, 
Mm-hmm. Don't let them be afraid of you because if they, if you don't let them open up to you, they're going to hide and they're, and they're going to be secret and do it behind closed doors. Yep. They will. If they're honest with you and they have a fear that from being honest, that you're going to like take a privilege away, take their phone away or take their car or whatever it is that you're going to punish them in some way, they're not going to open up to you. And it's just like, it's one of those things that, you know, as a parent, you need to let them know that you love them, that you're their best friend and to trust you. And you also have to make like a pledge that if they do tell you, if they, they try to drug and, and they just couldn't stop that you'll be there to seek help with yeah. them. Maybe you go to counseling together with them, you know, and, but not, you know, not, not to like, you know, some people, you know, want, just want to punish them, but that's, but that drives the kids to not tell you anything. And then they start doing more because they're in isolation from it. And it just gets deeper and deeper. But now we also, through Victoria's voice, we formed the victory clubs, which we're, we're piloting now. In fact, I have a meeting with the boys and girls club. The victory clubs is an incentive program to not do drugs. There's no membership fee, but the membership to get in would be that you are subject to random drug testing. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And once they're a member, they get connected in a drug-free teenage community. Mm -hmm. We're going to give them discounts. Like we're in negotiations with restaurants, movie theaters. Um, We're trying to um, see if we can get discounts for car insurance. I mean, the parents would love that. They can save auto insurance when their kids turn 16. If we can guarantee that this kid is drug-free. Yeah. Why not reward them with a, a lower insurance rate? So we're working on this incentive program. Um, and, and it could be like discounts on vacations for the family. So, I mean, it's, it's a win-win for everyone. And it's also a win because if they're not doing drugs, we're saving our next generation. Yeah. And it doesn't cost them anything. And, and if anything, they save money with all the discounts that they're exactly. going to get for benefiting and, and also with the victory clubs, each school pick out a person that's going to be like kind of the leader mm-hmm. and maybe they'll do pizza night once a month or movie yeah. night. Let's go get our discount at the movie theater and, you know, yeah. with our, with our drug-free friends, you know, it's and community. have it be a positive. You feel a part of something and it's mm-hmm. accountability because you know, you're going to be drug tested. Like what a great program. Yeah. we're trying to um, teach kids that it's cool to not be on drugs. Yeah. Exactly. I worry about my daughter. Well, she's five and a half, but uh, we're friends. And like Mm. to a point where she doesn't, I feel like she doesn't respect me. Like my husband will say one thing and she'll do it, but I am like her friend, but I do want to keep some of that because I I think about like when I was throwing up my food, if my mom would have walked in, I would, I would have been closed off. Like, no, I would have just, I want her to feel yeah. Like she can tell me anything and she is the firstborn. <laughs> it yeah. is hereditary. Right. So I'm like watching yeah. that and I don't want to yeah. say anything in front of her that could trigger anything like what I went through because she's going to have the same tendencies as the firstborn. And I didn't have social media to oh, deal yeah. with, you know, like I didn't either. Yeah. Oh, like how much worse that would be on like our kids. But when I grew up, we didn't even have um, cell phones or, or oh laptops. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different world. I know I have you for a couple more minutes. I wanted to ask you being a mom of boys and girls, like my son and is obsessed with me. Does that go away? And how is your relationship different with like your boys versus your girls? Is it really like the, the daddy's girl, boy, mom kind of thing? Do boys always treat their moms like that? Or does it stop? <laughs> well, I don't know. They, they like to look out for me. Yeah, that's for sure. 
they always make sure that I'm okay. If we're going somewhere, they always like, let me sit in the front seat of the car. Like they'll drive me and they'll open the door for me. And it's like, I, where'd you learn all this? Because I didn't teach them this. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, it's like kind of weird. Like, and everyone tells me that that they're just so um, cordial, you know, because I didn't send them to etiquette school or anything. Well, they see your husband and they see how he treats you. And I mean, that's their guide for how Yeah, maybe he set a good example. He did. And he doesn't even have to say anything and you don't have to send him anywhere. They see how he treats you. And my my husband had a little um, health setback just recently, but he's going to be okay. He hurt his back, but he had surgery and he's recovering. So now he put uh, me in charge of Versailles (gasps) and uh, my kids are, we're making all the decisions right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's yeah. That's kind of exciting. So, yeah, so so it's been quite amazing and we're really um trying to move it along because when he um, recovers from a surgery, we we want to see a lot of progress. Yeah, so when he sure comes in there did. we can like put a big sign like welcome home daddy, oh, you know. Oh, I love that. Yeah. When do you think it'll be complete? Oh gosh, probably two more years. I mean, hopefully in a year enough that maybe we could live there, but uh I mean, I don't know if I want to live in a construction site, but maybe it'll be enough that we can hang out there, mm-hmm. use the pool, have parties. Like, yeah. So gotcha. it's right on the, like, uh, the same chain of lakes that we are now. So we can just go back and forth. Oh, by nice. boat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that it's kind incredible. of fun. It'll be like we're on a mini vacation every time we go to Versailles. Exactly. So you've got that coming. You have a reality show coming. We don't have a title and it's going to be based at Versailles. Yes. Okay. Anything else coming up that people should look out for? Well, we are going to do another concert in September. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it, and uh, we're doing a big fundraiser. I'm not really allowed to say too much about the artists that are going to be there, but I, I'll just tell you, iHeartRadio is going to do the announcements. Wow. It's going to be some pretty big um, acts. Yeah. And it's going to be broadcast live. And we also have, at the same weekend, a NASCAR experience. We have the... Westgate NASCAR race, Victoria's Voice 200. How so that- do you manage this all? Like, how do you keep track of all of this stuff? <laughs> and all it's your children. It's not easy. It's not easy. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I have two I have, and I, I don't have a Versailles and I am drowning. <laughs> yeah. I, tell me about it. I've got so many dogs and cats and, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm building a safari too. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I'm building a safari. That's amazing. Wow. Like I want I want giraffes and, and zebras and stuff. So yes, yeah, so I'm making a safari for them here in Florida. So that's like a, a bit of a project. We may shoot some of that. I mean, I think it'd be fun to do just a documentary on it, but I think everyone wants like docu-series nowadays and not yep. so much a yep. documentary. Totally. You know? Episodes. We can binge them all or we can watch them every week. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you doing this so much. I know how busy you are. I just want to thank you for what you're doing with Victoria's voice. Like, I feel like I do the same thing with like eating disorders and getting the message out there, like how to talk to kids about it. And you're doing the same on a much larger scale. I hope your husband feels better and tell him I'm such a fan after watching that documentary and watching him go to Congress. Oh, I (laughs) love you. I love you. (laughs) You too. Thank you so much for listening to the squats and margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So you never miss an episode and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of squats and margaritas.
To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.